This is a story of violence, an issue that's actually very central in many kinds of animism, dealing with the problems of violence, the problem of violence, and this doesn't necessarily mean refraining from violence. It means exactly that. It means dealing with the problem of violence. Because if we are in kinship relation with other than human cohabitants of the land where we live, then our murder of these other than humans, typically in order to eat them, becomes some sort of fratricide almost. It's a break on kinship, perhaps almost cannibalism in some cases. And this is the reason that many animists, including uh, Europeans traditionally, uh, would appease the soul of a um, domestic animal being slaughtered. Because animism's, animism actually enhances the problem of violence and forces us to deal with it. And this is also why animist perspectives on violence can make people react. Uh, the violence of violence is actually brought into greater relief rather than being perhaps denied or camouflaged or something like that. And this is a top, touchy subject because it draws a line between violence and what we eat, what we take into our bodies. And a little bit like sexuality, this is something that, make, uh, that makes people jump up in arms. So I'm just going to start by saying that I respect people's choices in terms of diet, and I know this is touchy, and I'm going to say what I think, and uh, like many others, I probably have strong opinions, but I try to balance with the, uh, with the accept of what other people chooses. I personally do eat meat, uh, but I also have my doubts. I struggle with it a little bit, and I try to relate as actively as I can uh, to the violence that I'm participating in uh, through this choice. But this consideration takes its starting point in a real story of how touchy this is. And this is a story about a guy called Chris in Norway, and his animist violence against a rooster that he sacrificed. But before I get to the story of Christian Moe in Norway and how he killed a rooster with rituals of animist respect, um, and how he got in big trouble for this, I will just mention the general levels of violence in our society towards fowl. And they're enormous. If uh, we are to believe Wikipedia, then we humans kill around 60 billion fowl annually. Now this number is a little bit difficult to grasp because of its enormity, so let me spell it out in a slightly different way. Humans kill about 2,000 fowls every second. So in this video I'm just going to put a little number down here just in the editing to just tell you how many fowl has been killed by humans during the time that you've been watching this video. Uh, and and the way that uh, the way that these astonishing numbers of fowl are being bred, kept, fed, medicined, and in the end killed, are just straight up disgusting. And I'll spare you the grotesque details of conventional meat production. I'm just saying this to underline the insane asymmetry in the story that I'm about to tell. That there even is a story to tell. Christian Moore killed one rooster, not two thousand per second, and somehow he got hung out to dry in the Norwegian press. Um, but I'll get back to that. Here is uh, Chris's story. Chris is a young Norwegian uh, who, through the voodoo temple, La Belle de S, went to Haiti and got himself initiated as a Hungan uh, uh, voodoo priest. This is all very normal. We live in a transatlantic world, and 
a bit like Nordic religion is today sought by Americans, Australians and Latin Americans and <clears throat> people of different skin colors and backgrounds, then also Afro-descendant religions <clears throat> such as Voodoo are important players in renewing people's relationship with the world globally. In fact, I happen to believe that the exactly the Afro-descendant religions are playing an, an particularly important role because they have a particular kind of cultural resilience. Religions such as Voodoo, Sandaria, Candomblé, they have an unparalleled capacity to resist the modern uh, uh, rupture reality. Mm, and this is, uh, this is part of the reason that exactly these religions ha have become iconic of European othering and demonization. Uh, voodoo is perceived as the essentially primitive, primitive, savage, demonic. The African as the ultimate occult other to the enlightened European. Now, Chris became a voodoo priest uh, and initiated Hungan, and he went back to Norway, where there are people who are drawn to his practice. Again, absolutely naturally. Your descendants have, in fact, always had a very strong, positive reaction of recognition in the encounter with uh, African traditions. It is as if there's something about exactly those traditions that speak with a particular directness to us. They are, I think they are less foreign than perhaps Native American or perhaps Eastern traditions. So Europeans react with a very particular mix of fascination but also fear. And uh, the reason is that these traditions are particularly similar to our own pre-Christian polytheisms. So even back in like the Victorian colonial age and so on, you find these descriptions of, uh, for instance, the West African Yoruba culture that's permeated by this fascination that these people seem so akin to the ancient Greeks that were so idealized by Europeans in, in that particular period. Uh, and this um, recognition actually spurred, spurred the broad acknowledgement that perhaps humans are all brothers and sisters after all, and perhaps the philosophy that holds one race superior and another inferior should finally and permanently be discredited and abandoned. No, sorry, that ain't what happened. In reality, the re this recognition of similarity between the idealized past of the classical hallowed antiquity and the people who were supposed to be colonial inferior subjects, uh, that recognition was very quickly replaced with rather idiotic racist conspiracy, conspiracy theories that there were probably Greeks in West Africa because Africans can't be that genius or, or perhaps it was survivors from the sunken Atlantis that created the amazing Ife bronze head, heads that had stylistic similarities to what was traditionally considered the pinnacle of, of ancient Greek art, um, that is uh, trait uh, naturalism. And the attraction of Euro-descendants to exactly these cultures also spurred counter-reactions in sort of bourgeois circles that basked in the racist horror motif of white women being enrolled in these cults of madness, um, a, a reaction which is still sort of alive today in different forms. So, voodoo Christian most religion is, in my opinion, uh, in fact, one of the most beautiful and powerful religions alive. Uh, the capacity and creativity and genius and steadfast resilience 
with which enslaved Africans have created these counterpoints to modernity is, in my opinion, one of the major cultural achievements of recent history. Nothing less, right? The staggering complexity and wisdom and power of traditional African religions that were renewed in the Western Hemisphere uh, have an incredible impact today. And I think that in a 500 or 1,000 years, peoples like the Yoruba and the Dahomey, the, the Bantu, uh, whose descendants make this, this happen, will be remembered. Like today, the Greeks, the Romans, and the Mesopotamians and Egyptians, you know, major contributors to uh, the culture of the com coming centuries. That's just what I think. And they're spreading, by the way, to the consternation of race nationalists of all, side of the all sides of the political <laughs> spectrum. Uh, they're also spreading in places where there are uh, many Euro descendants, like southern Brazil, mostly white people, Argentina, and in Europe. They're consolidated in the Iberian Isle, this Candomblé temple in Berlin. You know, shout out to my man, Paimura, Babalorisha Mura Lissimbe. <laughs> um, so anyway, this is just to say that voodoo in Norway is in fact not weird at all. It's a natural part of how Afro-traditional animisms are taking their important role that they totally deserve in posing that alternative to Eurocentric modernity, which all humans so desperately need. And what is more, if you count you know, the, uh, the people on the planet who follow these related systems as one belief system, then there are about 90 millions of them, the eighth biggest religion in the world. So from one perspective, what Christian is doing is not weird or surprising at all. He's just practicing one of the most dynamic religions in the world today. So yeah, this is just a little bit of background to the, the idea of voodoo in, in Norway. But then Christian and his crew did something very decisively Norwegian in more than one way, I think. <laughs> and that is that they went out to the ancient grave sites at Istrahogan. And at this Iron Age grave site, they invoked and honored the spirit of the grave site. So when some normal bourgeois Norwegian were walking their dog or whatever on this national heritage site the following day, they found the remains of a beve, a graphic invocation of the voodoo uh, loa, uh, the grave site spirit, and they found horror, oh the horror, one dead rooster. And then the shit started hitting the fan. Because of course our cultural denial of our fairly enormous and fairly abusive and disrespectful and gruesome violence towards other beings is sort of provoked, perhaps exposed or threatened somehow when we see somebody practicing ancient rites of respect around their violence uh, and that's basically what a voodoo sacrifice is. It's part of a complex ritual negotiation of life and death where deities manifest through the act of sacrificing. In traditional African religion, the sacrificial animal is often deified. It's identified with the god through the pro process. It becomes the object of the cult, the vehicle for the manifestation of the deity. So in some cases, for instance, the sacrificial priest will go through a period of ritual taboo and ritual pr uh, preparation, purification, in order to be able to perform the sacrifice. Uh, and I think that the deep reason that people went bananas about Christians' sacrifice of, of the rooster was a mix of these contradictory cultural reactions. His 
microscopic in relative terms, uh, violence performed with animist respect for life mirrors and brings into relief our gigantic, disrespectful, disrespectful, abhorrent, like torture to death kind of violence towards the beings that give us life. Uh, but there was also some uh, racism in these reactions. Voodoo as the primitive savage other, uh, the, and the idea that modernity is being transgressed, you know. People in these online spaces, they call this an extreme case of animal mistreatment, probably a break on the laws of animal welfare, cruel and deeply disrespectful, messy and the people should have cleaned up after themselves, showing a lack of insight into spiritual matters. What? Like the man is an initiated priest in an ancient venerable tradition, anyway, belonging to a retrograde cultural state racism, uh, not an expression of religiosity, but showmanship intended to cause outrage, cowardly performed under the cover of darkness, problematic because families w with children would visit the place. Right. Hopes were expressed, <laughs> and I'm not making this up, that the owners of the poor rooster would contact the police. Now, I don't know about the Norse in in Norway specifically, uh, but in Denmark, where I'm from, home slaughter of fowl is a common and fully legal practice. Uh, and is it really hurtful for children to see the sight of a dead bird? Um, I myself grew up in a farm, and uh, I believe I was around four years when I saw a hen being decapitated. Um, I think I was around seven when I saw a pig being killed with blows of a big hammer to the forehead because the bolt gun had malfunctioned. So needed to kill it in another way. Uh, I once, though as an adult, had to kill a donkey with an axe because we had hit it with a car in the middle of the Sahara. Anyway, um, I don't think I've been traumatized. I think I've just learned that human do, humans do real violence to real animals in order to eat or in order to spare them extended suffering. We didn't eat the donkey. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so anyway, I went into the press and said these things. There's a link to the English version of approximately what I said somewhere in the subtext here. And I pointed out how these reactions express exactly these dissonances in our culture. It is exactly because we so systematically and so atrociously, atrociously mistreat our cohabitants on this planet that the sight of one dead chicken make us flip. It is exactly because we have reduced ancient sanctuaries like Isterhogan to these patrimonialized selfieing tokens that it provokes us so much when someone is actually engaging this site. It is because our civilization dumps 300 million ton plastic in the ocean annually that a handful of flour and meat in is called a wasteful mess and pollution and whatnot. It is because our own attempts at establishing animist religiosities are so feeble that an actual powerful animist practice is decried as antithetical to spirituality. It is because our image of our ancestors is such an inflated nationalist pastiche that a real ritual venerating them paradoxically seems to negate them so. I said all these things. If you read Danish, I've also put a link to that. Um, and I would again, I would like to remind you just how many fowl have been killed by humans during the time you've been watching this video. Miserable beings having spent their life 
life in torturous meat production systems and decapitate it without some machine, you know, without any hint of a human honoring their death, feeling and struggling with the paradox of taking life in order to feed our kids. Or perhaps we're solving this by making this taking of life into a life-giving, life-important manifestation of an important deity. Oh no, in our conventional system, there is only death. Systematized, humiliating, devoid of any animacy, devoid of any recognition or respect of life. Now, in spite of this grotesque asymmetry in the cruelty and the mass of violence, believe me or not, Christians' respectful animist ritual killing of this one single bird was not finished being the topic of media debate in Norway. Someone from a Norwegian animal rights organization went into the press to refute what I'd written, and, dude, I almost hit the keyboard again, actually, because she compared, and again, I'm not making this up, she compared Christian sacrifice of, of a rooster to human sacrifice. Specifically, she aligned it with the famous alleged uh, sacrifice of a Nigerian boy dubbed Adam, whose uh, body was found in the Thames in London some years back. Uh, and I'm actually for being a little bit cautious when pulling the racism card, because I think it's regularly being abused. But this... <laughs> I'm sorry, this is just straight up out of that old European demonization of the African religiosities. The murder of Adam in London was ascribed West African religion, not because there were any particularly convincing reasons behind this assumption, but because uh, these old stereotypes probably defined the treatment of the case by Scotland Yard. And their scholarship, that has, extensive scholarship has been written about this case. Right, This whole idea of human sacrifice, voodoo, black people's culture, cruelty and primitive savagery you know, associated with Africa. This, that whole package is just a blatant case of racism. It's not ra racism against Christian Moore, of course, who's a white guy. Uh, but it is a practice of a deeply racist way of thinking that targets something that he's doing. And a culture, a specific culture, an Afro-descent culture. Now, the entire structure of belief and ideology that was used to target him here uh, by this representative of the Norwegian National Animal Rights Organization uh, is just deeply rooted in those racist structure uh, uh, that served to legitimize colonial oppression and exploitation and has done so for centuries. Now, if we cut out all this inane bullshit <laughs> that it apparently is very, very prevalent in our contemporary societies. Then what is a sacrifice? In fact, sacrifices can be many things. Um, there are many forms of sacrifice in different cultures, different societies. Um, and uh, we modern people have weirdly actually stopped sacralizing when we kill, kill other than humans or non-humans. We kill the fowl. When we kill the fowl that feed us, we don't even acknowledge it as killing at all. These birds are just like things that are grown and made for the sole purpose of being food. They never, they're never allowed a being of their own. And our killing them affirms this denial of their life. They're, they're being, they're just clipping off their heads in some automated machine. And this is more dispassionate than an automatized than, you know, opening a can of beer or something, right? 
But when you look at traditional slaughtering practices, then you see that you know far into modernity, any slaughter of a domestic animal for eating had aspects of sacrifice to it. You still see this in the Abrahamic traditions. The practice of kosher and halal in slaughtering is, in effect, uh, sacralizing of the blood to God. Uh, I think this is a rudimentary sacrificial practice, but there is a note of respect for the life and acknowledgement of the taking of life in uh, traditional Jewish and Muslim slaughter traditions. And I think that except in the grotesque modernist dead cult of contemporary meat production, with which we all commune whenever we eat meat that's born in a shop, except for that, slaughter and sacrifice are often very close to being the same thing. They are, uh, there are specific kinds of sacrifice historically uh, that we would perhaps not condone today, where perhaps the sacrificial animal uh, was being mistreated. Uh, sure, there are definitely cases of that, or where the meat is not eaten by humans. There are also cases of that sometimes. But mostly, I think that a sacrificed is basically a sacralized slaughter. And in an animist culture, slaughter, as a general rule, is mostly sacralized. Uh, in many cultural contexts, um, uh, I don't think there's much of a distinction. And I think uh, Jewish and Muslim slaughter traditions are examples of this. In many cultures, uh, there is also... Uh, uh, this also have, 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 has the effect of supplying protein, protein to poor people, actually. There's a communal aspect of this. If sacrifices are eaten communally, then this feeds poor people. And uh, this has been the case uh, up, up close to our age in cultures that practice sacrifice. And then you have some sort of a logic of a god identified with a being that's physically giving its life to people. The protein influx is identified with the god giving life uh, as it is giving life in identification with the sacrificial animal. In Nordic animist practices, you see that, that sacrificial practices um, uh, or sacrificial details in the slaughter persisted far into modern age. Specific parts of the animal were treated after specific ritual uh, prescriptions. In Scandinavia, for instance, people would observe ancient uh, toasting rituals after having performed the kill. Um, you also see the insistence on avoiding suffering of the animal, actually. Uh, I've also encountered this in contemporary Afro-descendant religions. Um, as I've mentioned, the animal would be uh, appeased. The, the blood would be treated in specific ways. Uh, a sacrificial meal made out of kidneys um, was offered to ravens in Norway, a clear um, kind of uh, leftover from sacrificial practices. Uh, slaughtering was avoided on Christian holidays, because uh, probably because this activity was perceived as ritually potent in, in a problematic way. So yeah, anyway, where does all this lead us today? <laughs> and I think that uh, today uh, people think with this in, in many different ways. To some, the logical animist choice is to become a vegan or vegetarian. And this is a choice that I, I totally understand and, and respect. I haven't really taken it myself. And I, I'm aware that this topic really awakes strong feelings in people, also in myself. <laughs> uh, so I strive to be tolerant. Uh, and here is how, uh, this is how I personally try to handle this controversial issue. I think we ought to observe animist respect around the animals, the animals that give us life when we kill them. And I think we need to acknowledge the violence. And for me, 
the minimum is trying to make sure that the meat you eat is not just ecologically produced, but ecologically produced with a mark of animal protection. However, I still personally feel that this is still a little bit of an incomplete option. My ideal would actually be to only eat meat that had been treated like Christian Moore in Norway treated his rooster. An actual legitimate animist ritual. I respect all positions in this difficult question, but my own personal idea would be to live as a flexitarian, primarily eat veggies, but eat meat when somebody had granted the animal the animist respect by, for instance, performing a proper sacrifice like Chris did with his rooster. I've given some thought to whether perhaps the existentially viable recommendation should be to eat Jewish or Muslim slaughtered meat, because at least some rudimentary ritual actions uh, have been performed, but I don't really buy it, actually, partly because I don't trust that it's a proper sacrifice. If a goat is sacrificed by a Moroccan family during uh, specific seasonal rituals, then yeah, okay, Uh, but like a dude just yapping off some blessing in the corner of a huge hall with conventional meat production, I'm not really buying that. Um, So I'm personally a little bit unresolved, (laughs) even though I have strong opinions about how to handle all of this. Um, But And particularly, you know, I think it's difficult if you like to eat meat. (laughs) Uh, But profoundly, I feel that it's... that there are hypocrisy involved when people react against uh, Christian sacrifice. And I think many ought to self-reflect on how this reaction served to shield our practice of an infinitely bigger and infinitely more cruel and distasteful violence that we all participating in. I think animism teaches us to face this paradox of life that we kill to live and that it's not easy and it's not supposed to be easy and we're supposed to face it. But I would ask Hungan Chris about advice in this rather than ostracize him for exposing the, the violence that we're all part of in our, in our consumer system. Thank you very much. The work that I'm sharing with you on this channel focuses on recovering Euro-traditional animist knowledge. This is the fruit of a life of study and research all over the world, and I hold a doctorate from the oldest university in the Nordic region, but I'm choosing to popularize rather than to focus on academic publication. Conventional institutions, however, have yet to warm up properly to my perspective. So if you appreciate what I do, then please do consider that I also need to feed my family. Uh, For the price of less than one beer per month, you can become a Patreon supporter, or you can head over to my web shop and enter into exchange relation with me. You can also give single donations to my PayPal account, or if you have contact with someone that might help me project this incredibly important perspective to the world, then do drop me a PM. And uh, remember also to clickety-click and subscribe, follow, share, comment and all that. Thank you very much.
Amen. Amen.